Amen. Church, you can go ahead and, and have a seat. Wow, this is a good-looking bunch. Everyone looks a little thicker than last week for some reason. I don't know how many pounds of turkey you consume, Mr. Holden. Good to see you, sir. Uh, look around. This is a beautiful church body that we have here. If you are a first-time guest, we welcome you to, to Church Project. We hold the Bible in high regard. It's kind of important if you're a church to study the Bible and to follow its teachings. And so today what we want to do is, is we're, we're starting on a brand new series. We're going to do a series over the next few weeks. And we're, what we're calling it is it's very um, authentic. We're going to call it, I've seen him in, and then a blank. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite some gentlemen to come up and, and speak and to, to share with us where they've seen God move in their life. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. If you do not own a Bible, there's a Bible underneath the chair on the end caps or over um, on the lampstand over on either side. And if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. And I say this occasionally, if you come to Church Project and you bring, take one of these Bibles home with you every week, Bring some back, okay? But this is our gift to you. So we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I want to set this up before I invite um, uh, Jerry Ashita to come up and speak for us. So let, let, me, let me read these first two verses. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, what we've been doing at Church Project typically is taking a book of the Bible and walking through it verse by verse. It's called expository teaching. Took us two and a half years to get through the book of Luke. Took us six months to get through the book of Ephesians. And we just recently took a pause on on doing that and went through four weeks of looking at the Lord's Prayer and really studying the Lord's Prayer and how to be people that, that are more in tune with God and have vibrant prayer lives. And as we were ending the end of that series, I just felt really convicted. And I felt really something, maybe the Spirit of God just just prodding and saying, don't go into a book yet. So we're going to hit pause on going into another book again. And we're going into the next few weeks of what I think is going to be very transformational in the life of our church. Um, I believe I am stepping down today because someone more qualified is going to stand up and speak on this subject. Because what we're going to get the next couple weeks is heart. And we're going to get real life stories. So if you came for Christianese and just to hear good like, Christian words and stuff like that, it's not going to happen. Like today, we're going to get heart. In fact, what I want to do is, is I want to um, kind of talk to you about this gentleman, Jerry Ishida, that is going to come up and, and speak to, to us today and for us today. Mr. Jerry Ishida. Wow, we go back quite a ways, don't we, buddy? We, we, we go back many, many years. I, move into, I remember moving to Ordway, Colorado. Anyone heard of that? Some of you heard of that? Tiny little place in third grade. And Jerry Ishida was my youth pastor. So to kind of tie together a little bit of the relationships that are happening here, this wonderful guy that, that was up here leading us, his name is Jeremy. And the, the guy also known as the gum guy out front, his name's Jared. They're brothers, and their dad is... Jerry Ishida. 
And, and he was my youth pastor growing up. Lots of stories from this guy. One of, one of the most inspirational and motivational and, and influential per people in my life has been Jerry Ashida. Um, I am here um, in a lot of ways because of the influence of, of Jerry in my life and believing in, in me when uh, almost no one else would <laughs> and, and calling me at random times during college and saying, how you doing? Or really just showing me the face of God, God when I was young. So this is a man that, uh, you know, when, when high school is a tough age and junior high is a tough age, this is one of those men that would point me to Jesus quite often and continually has done that throughout his entire life. And so it's an honor for me to have Jerry up here today. And in a lot of ways, we say Jesus is in, into redeeming things, places, people, things. And I remember 20 years ago, or, or so, Jerry calling me and saying, hey, let's start a church in, in Ordway, Colorado, and, and, and just let's fast forward right now. That church is still rocking in Ordway, Colorado, uh, called the River of Life. I think it's of life, isn't it? Or just the river. And actually, they, they send us money. It's one of the poorest counties in all of Colorado, and they're still sending us money every week to support what is going on here at Church Project. And so that's a vibrant church started by Jerry and Julia Sheeta and Ordway. And so we have this huge history of them starting that church and a huge history of them being my personal youth pastor and being the father of Jeremy and Jared. And so what you're going to hear today is, is coming from a lot of passion a lot of history, and this is a man that is such a solid um, God of man that I'm excited to hear what he has for us today. And so I want to pray over our message, and then I want us to give us a, a warm welcome to Jerry as he comes up and delivers the message. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here. I'm excited to hear what it is you want to teach us today. I'm excited uh, to have Jerry up here communicating your word, and I pray that your spirit is moving in all of our hearts and minds. Thank you for this opportunity, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, if you would, please give a, a warm welcome to uh, Jerry Ishida. Okay. Make sure it's on. I think we're done. That was awesome in itself right there. I, I, there's no way I could live up to that in, intro. But uh, Thursday was Aaron's birthday. I don't know how many of you knew that. But I've been carrying around something for a long time. He speaks of our long relationship. And so I want to give him a birthday present today. And I think it would be appropriate if he would open it in front of all of us. So <laughs> happy birthday, Aaron. Here we go, buddy. I don't know if this is going to be appropriate. Oh, yeah. I've been holding it too long. It's your turn to kind of carry the torch now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> there, there'll be a there'll be a bigger picture up on the screen here pretty soon. Thanks, I think. I That's think. a nice mullet you had back in those days, man. Thanks. That's a. Oh gosh. Think about that verse that Aaron. Well, we we started out with there in Hebrews though, where it says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with this great cloud of witnesses," and then. It says to lay aside every weight and to run with patience. What, what athletic event, what sport does that point directly to? <laughs> track? Okay. Imagine that track athlete. Whoa, that's a nice one. <laughs> that athlete, as he has prepared himself for the race, 
And uh, you can just see it in his face. I mean, he just, That was taken like three years ago. There's also a scripture that tells us about wrestling. Now, some of you are wrestlers in here. Where's my wrestling buddies at? There you are. Okay. I also have a wrestling friend also. And the scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? This was against flesh right here, though. He was a luchador. He was Nacho Libre back in Crowley County days. Wrestling is a sin. <laughs> Look at that thing there, huh? He likes to hit him in the face. <laughs> now look at this next one here, though. Wow. The years have went by, haven't they? <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good to think back and to reminisce, uh, to think about what God has done in life and in lives. And... Uh, when Aaron asked me a few weeks ago, he's told me about the series he was starting. Uh, he said uh, the, the, the title or the, uh, the series is going to be about where you've seen God. I've seen God in, and then you fill in the blank. And before I even said yes that I could speak, I said yes to I've seen God in. I knew exactly, I knew immediately what I was going to speak on if I was to speak. And I've seen God in his people. Um, <laughs> Aaron breaks up a lot, and I might too today. I don't know. I guess I am. So, um, But I've seen God through people, through his people. And, you know, there have been times in our lives, in each one of our lives, I know when we've struggled. And uh, there's been tragedy happened to us. Maybe we've made bad decisions uh, we've ended up on the wrong side of things, and there's been times that we just needed God. And, you know, maybe sometimes God shows himself in a still, small voice, because he's done that with me. Maybe it's been through uh, maybe a peaceful night's rest, because I've experienced that also. But I've seen him a lot through his people, and so when Aaron gave me that lead-in, I thought, that's exactly it. You know, Scripture tells us just if we just give a cup of cold water. And I've seen God in a cup of cold water. Literally, I've seen him in a six-pack of Diet Pepsi one time. Because someone was willing to just to give. And there are so many ways that we could show Jesus to our world. And that's how I want, what I want to reflect to you today. Maybe ways that I've seen him through what people have done for me. You know, when, when Jade was real little... You didn't talk about my third, third uh, child, so I thought I'd better say something about her. But outside of Pueblo, Pueblo was our big town. It was about 50 miles away. So when we went to Pueblo, that was like, you know, going to Disneyland or something for us. And uh, so there was this little group of people, uh, religious people known as the Yahwehs, that were, was outside of Pueblo. And they dressed with long robes on. Uh, they looked like they came straight from the Bible. And one time we were in Walmart, Jade was pretty small, and we're just pushing the cart around, and she sees one of these guys. And, you know, I was only a kid could do it. She looks up, she points at him, she goes, is that God? (laughs) And I thought, how appropriate, because many times we want to see God in flesh, don't we? We need his arms wrapping us. We need his voice speaking to us. 
And I've seen that. I've seen it through his people. We are instructed in 1 John chapter 1. It says we are supposed to walk in the light as he is in the light. Jesus himself gave us an example. As he was approaching the cross and he was meeting with his closest men, that night when they got together in that little room, Jesus himself, our Lord, the Son of God, got down on his knees. He took out a basin of water and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And his instruction to us after that, to his disciples, was do likewise. Go ahead and do that for other people. We are supposed to imitate him. Sometimes it's hard. I know some of you ladies probably especially wouldn't want to wash somebody else's feet. I don't know that I would either. A few years ago in the little town of Ordway that Aaron was talking about, Ordway was right on the bike track, the bike path that led from the east and west coast. And I think it was called the Bicentennial Bike Path or something like that. So we would see, every summer we would see bikers, bicyclists, not bikers, bicyclists riding through Ordway every summer. So about three or four summers ago, we were, Julie and I are taking a bike ride in the evening. And we stop at our park. We see this one guy. And we strike a conversation with him. Where are you from? Where are you going? And he was one of those guys. We got within about three feet of him, and pretty soon we could smell him. I don't know if you, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but probably the, a bicyclist that's been on the road for days and days and days, maybe one of the stinkiest person, persons you've ever seen, you know. And before long, I could feel Julie speaking through me and we're saying, hey, you want to come and shower at our house? You want to wash your clothes? You want to spend the night? Sometimes being the hand of God, being the feet of Christ, is a tough business. But we each are called to do that. We are called to go out and to minister to each other as a, as a body. To minister to others, people we don't even know. And so there are three people, three groups that I just want to address this morning where I've seen Jesus. I've seen the hand of God in my life. The first one is in his people, in his church. And when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about our kind of our local group here. Or maybe another local group that you've been involved in in the past. Can you give me a glass of water? I am so... Be my hand, yeah, yeah. Cup of cold water sounds really good right now. I don't know how many times that you've felt like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Or that people are looking down on you. Maybe you're embarrassed because of something you've done. Or some life situation has put you in a terribly bad, bad position. Thank you. But I think we all have been there. We've probably all been in that place where we really didn't want to approach another human being. But we thought, you know, i got to get back in the game. i got to make an effort. And so maybe you've stepped in these doors. Maybe it was the doors of another church. But I was in a situation like that one time, and Julie and I, we went into church. And we were standing in the foyer of our church uh, that we attended. 
But we felt like we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We both went to the, that service this morning with great uh, difficulty. And I still remember that day when I was in the foyer of that church. I saw this man across the foyer. It was probably about 50 feet away. And it was a man that was uh, the father of uh, one of our friends. And so I'd seen this guy. He was, you know, 10, 15 years older than us, 20 years older probably. And I saw him across the foyer. And I'd probably spoken to him two or three times at length in my lifetime. And Julie and I are both just standing there, and we're really not knowing what to do, where to proceed. One of those moments that you feel really, really, really awkward. And this man, who I really didn't know that well, that I've spoken to, and he knew me, but we weren't tight friends or anything. He approaches me, and he just reaches out his arms. And, you know, I'm pretty big. He was a little bigger than I was. And he gave me the tightest hug that I probably have ever gotten, that I could recall at this time at least. And he basically told me, I love you. And my heart melted. Because to me, at that point in my life, that was the arms of Jesus that came around me and he gave me a hug. And he said to me, you know what? I accept you. I love you. And I don't even know that that guy knew what he did. I really don't. But let me tell you one thing. This man ended up, he was from California. And uh, he ended up being on his deathbed a few years later. And we were visiting, my boys were living in California at the time, uh, living the surfing dream, I guess. Long hair, all that kind of stuff. Uh, looking for wives, and actually Jared found one there. But I remember going out to visit the boys, and uh, this man who had given me this hug several years prior, uh, who I just had a bond with because of that moment, uh, he was probably two hours away. And I told Julie, we got to go see him. And that hug, that 10 seconds of time, maybe 20 seconds of time, made such an impression on me. I wanted to get in my car, and I wanted to go see that man. So we did. We never know. You, you never know the impression you're going to make on someone. You really don't. You don't understand what, how big a moment can be. You don't understand how big a little note that you would write on Pastor Appreciation Month to your pastor might be. But that might be the note that he needs just to send him on just to great heights. We don't understand the importance of our lives. We don't understand the importance of our deeds. But I've seen it. And I've seen God use people to be himself in my life just like that. You know, each one of us, even on a given Sunday as people come into this congregation, you know, we always put on a smiling face, but we don't always feel like that on the inside, do we? We've come through tough times. But, you know, we just have to be honest. We've come, there's tough times that happen in all lives. And as we come through those doors or we meet the gum guy at the front, we need, we often need a word of encouragement. Or we, maybe it's just to lock eyes with somebody and, and, and basically let them know that we're glad you're here. You never know what someone's been through. You never know what that handshake might mean. 
we are supposed to do good. The scripture tells us in Galatians chapter 6, it says, As we have the opportunity, let us do good deeds unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Sometimes we forget about our own people. But we need it. We need to encourage each other in the good deeds. We need to tell each other people that we appreciate you. I appreciate you. I need you. You're important. What you're doing is great in my life. The second group of people that have, have meant a lot to me are pastors and elders. You know, in, in, earlier in the book of Hebrews, where Aaron brought that, that uh, verse up from, uh, in chapter 11 of Hebrews gives us what is normally called the, the hall of faith. Tell, tells about a lot of the biblical uh, people who had faith and exemplified that faith in their lives and in, in uh, the choices that they had made. They weren't all perfect people. Man, there were people, they, they had some bad, bad, bad strikes against them. But they chose faith. They chose to keep walking. You know, I think of an elder in my life. And I don't know how many of you guys have been around, uh, or maybe you are cowboys, I don't know. But in Ordway, we had a lot of cowboys and, and ranchers, farmers. And uh, some of my best friends are these guys. Uh, the guy I'm speaking of now, his name was Jeb. He is Jeb. He's still around. And uh, he not only, uh, you know, was a rancher, but he broke horses. And I don't know if any of you guys know any of these kind of guys, but they are the toughest, meanest, snottiest guys you would ever want to go up against. I mean, just tough. I remember one time Jeb came to, to church, and I'd seen him in his hand all wrapped up in a cast. And, you know, I thought, well, he probably, you know, had some kind of accident at work, and which he did. He uh, got so mad at one of the horses he was trying to break, he punched it in the face and he broke his hand. <laughs> and and uh, that's the kind of guy he was. He had a little bit of a temper. I was always kind of afraid to cross him. Because most of the guys that I knew like this, they were black and white. Man, there was no gray area. It was like you're right or you're wrong. And so whenever I would step out of the path a little bit, I always thought, Jeb's the one, he's going to call you on it. He's that kind of a guy. He's going to call you on it. He'll readily admit his mistakes also. Uh, but I was walking through one of these valleys. And this man, Jeb, I'm thinking, man, I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't. But there's a scripture and, uh, that tells us that, you know, to judge is okay at different times. But there's also times when mercy and grace needs to win out over that judgment. And that's what I needed. At that point in my life, I didn't need someone to judge. I needed someone that could show mercy and show grace. And that could reach out. And he allowed that mercy to triumph over judgment at that particular time. He also, I can remember the hug that he gave me at a time or two. Just reaffirming that fact that, man, I love you. I love you. I'll walk with you through this thing. Just a few years ago, another pastor who was basically Jesus to me. We were living in uh, the Highlands Ranch area of South Denver. And Grace Community Church is located just right on I-25. And uh, oh, Julie and I really didn't want to go to church at that time. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I know you guys probably want to, you're dying for Sundays, right? 
But we were at a time in our life where we thought, man, I don't really want to go to church. And if I do want to go to church, I don't want to go to a little church. I want to go to a big church so I get lost at church, right? I want to sit in the back row of a church that has 500 people in it. And I found one of those. And I was comfortable. Just so happened the first day at church I went, it was this pastor, his name was Terry. It was his first day there. They just had called him. He was from Baltimore, Maryland. He's standing up in front of us. He's my age, but he's dressed like my kids. And so he's got me a little perplexed at that point right there. I thought, wow, I don't know about this guy. And I sat under his leadership for about three years. Let me tell you something. I never got involved with that church. Uh, But the word that he's brought to me every week, it started building me up. And it started encouraging me. It was God's word. It's definitely God's word coming straight from his word. But he'd throw it in and he'd mix it in with his confessions of uh, having road rage, which I sometimes can identify to. He had this one phrase that he'd always say. He, he said something like this, that I just need to be brutally honest at this time. And he would be. And he'd share a life experience and show how God had brought him through a life experience. And he was Jesus to me. Third, third man that I want to speak about, a pastor, is one that uh, you guys know pretty well. And uh, I've known this guy for 20 or, 20 or 30 years, something like that. And there's something, that, uh, there's something about Aaron that way back when that I pretty much uh, wanted in my life. And um, Kendall, go ahead and throw that one picture up there. Uh, this is, I can't remember where this is. Yeah, we were up on a mountain there, and that's Aaron and I, both in our younger days right there, but the guy with the mullet in the middle with sunglasses, that's Aaron. <laughs> coming down from a mountain. Have another one here. This was a, a group of, a, of our, our youth group at the time, and Aaron's on the top. I got one more right after this. Aaron's the guy that's given the guy the chokehold, Okay. That was Aaron. But let me point out one other kid here. The kid in the blue shirt. His name was Manny Santa Stephen. Just leave that up there for just a second. His name was Manny Santa Stephen. And there was nothing special about Manny. They were new to our church. uh, Didn't go to the same school. But Manny had a brother who had Down syndrome. And uh, he wasn't in this picture, but Manny would bring his brother to church with him and he was he was a couple years older than Manny and his this guy's name was Jason and Jason would come into our youth group and there'd be about that many kids there and he was he'd go around trying to pick out where he was going to set not a lot of people really gravitated to that kid there's a lot of times that in those 40 seats if 30 were taken you would see Jason sitting all there, all all by himself over there in the corner. And you know, as as parents, we would probably try to prod our kid on and say, "Hey, go talk to that kid, go sit by that kid, go k- tell that kid hi." But in my mind and in my memory, I see Aaron as the kid sitting over there all by himself. I still see him. I still can see him just moving over to that kid, gravitating to that kid, and sitting down right by that guy. 
You know, the scripture tells us we're not supposed to be a respecter of persons. Just because the guy has good, good, nice clothes on, I'm going to sit him, sit by him, or invite him up here. This was, you know, one of those kids that nobody really wanted to be around. And at that point in my life, I knew there was something different about that guy, Aaron, because he was willing to leave his comfort zone of his friends and the the people he hung around with to go sit by that guy. And from that time on, I thought, you know what? That's something I need in my life. And I don't know, you young people here today, and you're kind of scattered all over the place. Sometimes you think your lives aren't worth a whole lot right now, that until you're 18 or 21 or until you graduate from high school, until you're that age, I can't really do anything. But let me tell you, right now, you can make a huge difference, not only in your own school and with your own friends, but you can make a difference in the life of an old guy like me. Mr. Davidson, the basketball coach here, he uh, invited us to go. He thought I was gaining a little extra weight, so he invited me to come and, and run around with him at basketball practice last week a little bit. And they were having a scrimmage at open gym time. And you know what? When we were done, and Jeremy went with me, we went and played a little basketball with him. There were several of your kids that came to me and said, thank you for coming. Thanks for being here. Thanks for working out with us. I'm thinking, they're thanking me? Seriously? Weston, you guys are doing a good job here, man. Because you're teaching those kids to honor people and make good decisions. And so you parents are doing a good job at that. But never, no matter what age you are, don't, don't discount the fact that you can make a difference in a life. It might be the life of an old guy. It might be someone that just needs to smile that day. It might be a friend that's sitting all by himself. And they need someone to come up and just put their arm around him and say, you're okay. I like you. You could be the hand of God. You could be a Jesus in that person's life. You know that the third group I want to talk about is just our community. The people we live around, the people we work with, the people that we see at the marketplace. How do we affect them? How can they see the hand of Jesus through us? You know, when I was living in, in Highlands Ranch, I frequent McDonald's quite a bit. I know, it's, it's, it's kind of a secret, but... Uh, <laughs> Every day I probably go there for a cup of coffee. I don't like Starbucks. I like McDonald's. Uh, at the end of the day, when I'd be coming back from my appointments, I'd normally stop in I, for nothing else to get a soda. I mean, it was just something like that that I always do. And I started thinking, how can I affect the life of people that I frequent every day? Well, I got to the point where I knew everybody in the drive through <laughs> And... I got to know their names. And I am not part, patting myself on the back at all. I just want to share this story with you. That simple things that we can do to be a light. And uh, I got to where it, it, I challenged myself to know a voice. And so I'd go through the drive-thru and they'd pull through and they'd say, Hello, this is, I mean, this McDonald, can I help you? You know, I said, Jacinto, what are you doing today, man? And in shock, he go. <laughs> Hey, and so I put my order through there, and 
then the next day I'd go through there and say, hey, Mario. And so then I'd go through, I'd get to the front, go get my drink. And one of the best greetings he could ever give me, he would say, amigo, my friend. And there was one guy that I called uh, Jacinto for like three months. And one day, I, he hadn't been there for a few days. And so I asked Mario, I said, where's Jacinto at? He said, we don't have a Jacinto here. <laughs> I said, well, he just must not work the same shift. And so then the uh, next day, I asked another place. I said, where's Jacinto at? He said, we don't have a Jacinto that works here. <laughs> anyway, the story goes about four or five days later, the guy comes to the drive and there he is. There's Jacinto. I said, Jacinto, where have you been? And he, so he tells me, and I said, nobody knows you work here. He said, my name's not Jacinto, my name's Juanito. <laughs> I said, why'd you let me call you that all these, time, all these months? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> so Christmas time comes, and so I thought, I've got to do something good for my friends. So I go went, went and bought him some Subway cards. And you don't know how many times I went through the drive-thru just so I could see the right guy. I spent a lot of money trying to find the right guy at the drive-thru. But, in, but through it all, I'm thinking, okay, how can I be a light? This is a place I frequent almost more than my house. How can I be a light? You know, each one of us, I think we need to do that in our own lives. How can I be a light? How can I be a light to this dark world? And this world is so dark oftentimes, it doesn't take a whole lot to be a light. And all, all of a sudden, the scripture tells us, you know, if we, if we would just do this kind of thing, do these deeds in the right motive, that it will glorify our God, which is in heaven. They will be directed. They'll say something's different about that guy. Let me close with this short story, how someone's impacted me out in the community. I'm an, insurance, I'm an insurance adjuster. And so most of the time people are happy to see me, but sometimes they aren't. Uh, but I'm the guy that if you get hail on your roof, they'll send me out there and I'll crawl up on your roof and say, yeah, this is hail damage or this is not hail damage. And uh, so what, this just happened about four or five months ago. And I uh, got this one assignment I was supposed to do, and so I called the people. I said, hey, this is Jerry. I uh, hear you have some damage on your house. Uh, I'd like to come out. And uh, so she says, oh, that'd be great. We set up a time, and she says, uh, be blessed. Oh, what's that mean? Anybody? What's be blessed mean to you? Well, to me, it means it's probably a Christian. I, I, don't, I don't hear be blessed a whole lot. So automatically, I'm thinking, I'm, this can kind of be a fun one. I get to go to a Christian's house at least. So I go out to the house. And as soon as I get out of the car, my wife stays in the car uh, kind of doing some social media stuff, I guess, on her computer. <laughs> and uh, so she leaves me. See you later. And as soon as I jump out of the car, I see a young man. Uh, he's probably about 25 years old. He's got a vest on, goggles on, a hard helmet on. I never see this. But it's uh, a roofer from a certain uh, contractor, a contracting company. And long story short, I get up on that roof. It's a wood roof. Um, Coach, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, he's the, he's, he does this. He used to do this. It's a wood roof, and wood roofs are hard to judge whether there's really damage on them or not. 
unless they're just beat up. But they're, they're hard. They're harder. This guy gets up there and basically tells me I'm the stupidest guy on earth. He basically says, you know, if you don't go along with what I believe this roof, the damage is, uh, you're probably going to end up in court. And, of course, with me, I want to tell him something. I really do. In fact, the, the roof actually is two stories, and I might even want to push him off. I don't know. It might have crossed my mind. I don't know. He had a heart helmet on, so he'd probably be all right. Anyway, I have to bite my tongue. I'm, I'm pretty much praying the whole time, God, you know, help me. Let me think of something else, whatever it is. And I get off that roof, honestly, and go talk to the homeowners. I get in the car, and I just tell Julie, man, I just got beat up. I feel terrible. I don't like my job anymore. I, you know how that goes. Just one of those terrible, terrible days. So I go, and, you know, the next day I go back to a new appointment know nothing about the people. They didn't say be blessed, and so I wasn't thinking it was going to be a Christian. But I, I pull up to this house in Lakewood, and there's a couple sitting out on their front porch, about 60, 65 years old. They're drinking a glass of tea. Their contractor's actually sitting with them. And uh, they say, hey, Jerry. Nobody ever calls me by my first name usually because they don't remember you know, from the call before. But he said, hey, Jerry, you need a glass of tea or anything? I said, no, I'm fine. We proceed, we get on the roof, mark out damage, everything. We go back in the house because they had a little, little leak in the ceiling. Finds out, she starts talking to the contractor, and the contractor said, yeah, I'm getting married in a few months. And she said, you know what you need, if you're getting married, you need this book that we have over here. It's called The Five Love Languages. Now, I don't know if that clues you guys to anything, but that's, it's a Christian book, Five Love, love Languages. And she started speaking words of truth into this young man into this contractor and before long i'm in on the conversation and i'm saying yeah this here's something i've learned over 30 years of marriage you know and here's what my wife says and here's what my wife tells me to do here's what you need to do that kind of stuff and before long i feel like i'm in church before long i feel like the hand of god has touched me before long, the appointment that I had yesterday that was so bad is, has vanished. And it's because of this lady. And she had turned everything, she had taken the opportunity that she had that day with that contractor to be a light. She had taken the opportunity that day to say, yeah, let me share something out of God's word. Just a, li- just, you know, a little hint that might help you in your marriage. She had taken the opportunity to use what God had given her. And that was five or ten minutes in that man's day. And by her doing that, she also took the opportunity to touch me and be the light that I needed to see that day. I went back to the car and I was like, I was shuddering. I really was. Trembling. And I told Julie, you know, she's having fun on her computer still. And she, she didn't know I had been enlightened at that point. And I said, that lady just blessed me. And I said, I got to go tell her. So I put my stuff away, put my ladder away and all that stuff. And I go back there and she goes, hey. So as soon as I start going to the front porch, she says, hey, did you forget something? What, what else do we need? 
And I just said, ma'am, I just want to tell you one thing. Yesterday, I had the tough, one of the toughest days I've been through in a long, long time. And I came here today, and you blessed me. I told you, you are the hand of God in my life today. She took time. She used an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to make a different choice. I'm just not going to let this guy, you know, go through my house and just say goodbye. Thank you for the, the, uh, being my adjuster and we're gone. Thank you for being my contractor we're gone. She took an opportunity. She took a minute of her day to bless someone. And in turn, she not only blessed that guy, but she also blessed this guy right here. We can be a difference in a life. We can be a light. For whosoever shall give you a cup of cold water to drink. In my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, you shall not lose your reward. You can be a blessing. We can be a blessing. And it doesn't take a whole lot. All we need to be is a flicker. We need to be a little light. Make a different choice. Do a good deed. Write a note. Who will be Jesus to them? Who will be Jesus? Are we relying on our neighbor to be Jesus to them? Or will we take up that mantle and say, I'll be Jesus to them? I'll be the word that they need to hear. I'll do that deed. Here's the thing that beats preachers up right here all the time. You get to this point and you say, how do I, how do I close this off? What challenge do I make? You know, the book of James, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Be doers. My encouragement to each one of us today, myself included, as we've looked into this mirror today of God's word and some of the things that he instructs us to do, and we've seen in our own lives, this is something I need. You know how it is to look in a mirror, don't you? Sometimes you have a really good mirror. And it makes you look pretty good. You ever been to one of those hotels or a dressing room and you'd walk by and said, man, I look like I just lost 40 pounds and I'm slim again. And I look like I'm six foot four. And then you go to the real mirror and you go, never mind. <laughs> and we've looked in a mirror today. We've looked in that mirror. We've looked in the mirror that says, you know what? I love you so much. Would you just be a light for me? Would you just take that light and just plant it right over there in that seat or in that seat or in that next block or the next student or the next customer? But my question to you is today, will you be Jesus? Will you be Jesus? Will we be the hand of God to someone? Will we reach out Walk that distance it takes. Write that note. Do that deed. Will you be Jesus?